This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. I grew up in a really fantastic church. It was the biggest church in our city, so it made a, a huge impact. And in the 1980s, it, in the early 90s, it was very appropriate for that context. And you would go to the church, and there was this huge curtain, and you didn't know what was going to happen behind the curtain until a drum roll started, and the curtain opened. And behind the curtain was a huge choir in maroon robes. And then there was lots and lots of brass. I mean, more brass than you would see at a symphony downtown of just all these different instruments going. And, and it was, it was a, a great place to grow up. In fact, thinking this morning, I spent still more than half of my life. I spent 20 years at that church. And I can trace most good things that have happened to me in life from the influence of that church. Well, well, today that church is doing well. It's actually bigger than it was back in those days, but it's completely different in so many ways. I mean, if you think that we're contemporary here, uh, we, we don't, we're not near what this church is. I, the other day I went online and saw their worship and their worship leader had a ball cap sideways and they had smoke and lights and all this stuff was happening and, and everything about the church has changed. The name of the church has changed. Uh, the pastor, he's in his 70s now, so he's the pastor emeritus. He still preaches, but there's a younger guy who's leading the charge. They've changed to a different part of the city. They have completely different demographics. And, and most of the people that I went to church with, they're, I don't, they're not there anymore. Uh, a lot of my parents and their friends moved to different parts of the Dallas area. And now the, the remnant of the church that I knew is in two different areas. One, they, they have something called a classic service. And so that's a, a small Sunday school room where the people who started the church, they, they have a church service. My mom goes there occasionally and, and they sing the songs they used to sing and, and it's a way to honor the people who play into the church. I think it's a nice, a nice uh, thing to offer. And my mom goes, she, she'll tell me different people she ran into. And then the second remnant of that church that I can participate in is yes, Facebook has kept my church alive, the church I used to know, because there is a Facebook group of people who attended the church I attended in the era that I attended. And so a couple times a week, you know, we'll get some kind of post and people will reminisce and they'll have memories of the good old days. And so far, no one has posted anything about my pastor's sermons. And he was a great preacher. I mean, no one can preach like Pastor George. But no one's posted, hey, today I was thinking about uh, the third Sunday of April in 1987 when pastor preached a sermon. That hasn't happened so far. And, and no one's really posted about particular songs that we sang. And no one's particularly posted about certain programs we do. What, what are people posting about? They're posting about stories about friendship, about relationship. And occasionally we'll, we'll get, someone will post some sobering news about someone in our congregation who went on to heaven. And the comments after that have everything to do with memories of conversations and laughter. And people talk about the type of people, the type of lady she was 
the type of man that he was. I say all of that because we're, you know, churches have to reinvent themselves every 30 or 40 years. It's just the way organizations are, the way, as Pastor Greg mentioned, Corinth was. But what lives beyond us, what's going to live beyond us in the years ahead is our relationships with one another. That's what's really going to count. That's what we're going to remember the most about the time we have together. And I like to call that Christian community. Well, we're called into Christian community. I just want to spend this one Sunday talking to you about Christian community. And I want you to value Christian community. And I want you to understand that Christian community really matters and that God cares about the people you're doing life with. And and church is not just gathering an audience to watch stuff that happens on the stage. That's a component. That's a front door. But church is more than that. Church is us getting to know each other's names. And then as we get to know each other's names, we get to know each other's stories. And then when we learn each other's stories, we learn each other's hearts. And and we have something that we can take to heaven. And that's our relationships with one another and the relationships with those who are outside of God's kingdom that we're going to bring into the kingdom. That's what Christian community is about. That's what life together is about. And it matters and God wants it to matter to you. The first thing I want to establish is this. I want to establish what Christian community is about. And Christian community, Christian community is about Christ. That's it. It's about him. Christian community is about Christ. You know, there's lots of different reasons you can come to a church. There's a lot of different reasons that, that you might have made a decision to come here. And they're not all, they're not all bad. They're, they're not evil. It's not wrong to have these considerations. But, but we consider things like the children's program. That's why we want to improve it. We consider the youth program. We, we consider uh, whether we're fit for whatever intrinsic reason why. But that can't always be the reason we choose community because those things change. Those things variate. But there's one thing that our community revolves around that never changes, never has a variance, and that is Jesus Christ himself, the unchanging one. Jesus Christ, the unchanging one, and he is the reason why we gather. That's why I know I skipped Numbers 26, but maybe we'll get back to it later. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 15, excuse me, Romans 15. Romans 15 with verse 5 says this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, with one another, according, in accord with Christ Jesus. And then verse 6, if you have your Bibles open, it won't be on the screen, says it goes on to say, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One voice. We have one voice. We have one message, and that's the message of Jesus. That's the reason why we're gathered. We're gathered because of Jesus. Our relationship is about Jesus. Now, if you ever take the local newspaper and look in the community postings, which I doubt very many of you ever do that. I'm uh, definitely exposing my inner nerd here, but I I, I actually read the local paper and, and I go through and see the free postings. You can submit something and and they'll talk about your group. There's all types of groups here in this city. There's photography clubs, gardening clubs, running clubs. I happen to lead that. You know, I I run miles and miles a week. 
Why are you laughing? Obviously, I don't. But there's all types of clubs and and reasons together. And they're all gathered around a purpose. We're going to get together to run. We're going to get together to take pictures and talk about pictures. We're going to get together for for photography. We're going to get together because we're mommies. And we want to have a mommy group. I don't go to that group either. But we get together for, for, we're going to read stories to our kids. Relationships revolve around something. And, And I want to remind you that we gather because of Christ. That, that's why our relationships, that's what our, our relationships should revolve around. The reason that's important is because there's a, there's a maturity that comes in Christian community when you start realizing that, okay, this isn't just about me. I might have come to this church or joined this church because it met some needs, but as time goes on, uh, those things could change. My life could change. Uh, issues could change, but I'm living life with these people because we've all decided that the name of Jesus is the name above every name and the teachings of Jesus are the teachings we're going to follow. And and we have set our course that we are following him. We are following the Bible. That is the basis of our fellowship. It is not an accident that God has set you here. It's not an accident you're living in Tennessee It's not an accident that you're at this church for whatever reason you're at this church. I believe the Lord has set you here. The Jewish people, uh, they all believed in one God. Behold, the Lord our God is one, and we will serve the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and strength. That was basically the theme. It was was basically, uh, uh, if you could summarize a religion in one statement, That was it. So they followed this one particular God, no other gods, and that caused them to be Jewish. That caused them to follow by that bloodline. If this is what we do, this is the God we follow. But as they entered the land, Moses organized them according to their ancestors. And so according to the size, he said, you know, all the Benjamites are going to live together. And, and all those in the tribe of Asher are going to live together. And all those in the tribe of Dan are going to live together. And, and they're going to get this much land according to their size. And th- now we'll go back to Numbers 26. Because as they enter the land, I, I want just to show a pattern with God. Numbers 26, verse 52. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, divide the land among the tribes and distribute the grant, grants of the land in proportion to the tribe's populations as indicated by the numbers of names on the list. And give the larger tribes more land and the smaller tribes less land, and each group receiving a grant in proportion to the size of its population. But you must assign the land by lot and give land to each ancestral tribe according to the numbers of names on the list. Each grant of land must be assigned by lot among the larger and smaller tribe groups. So, so here's what was happening. As... They entered the land, they rolled the dice. They said, we're going to divide you up by your population, and we're just going to roll the dice. We're going to cast the lots. And that's going to determine where you're at. And I, I want to say that I believe that the lots have been cast for us, and we're together. I really believe that. I spent 20 years of my life in one church, and I had to go there. Because my mom and dad 
said, this is where we're going to church. And that became my people. That was my tribe. There were dozens and dozens of churches in my city, and we all followed Jesus Christ. But my lot was cast, and my tribe became my home church. And we think that we have the self-determination. I'm going to choose where I'm going to church this Sunday. And I'm going to choose to leave this church or go to this church. I would like to think that there's someone named the Holy Spirit who's directing us. And just as God knew where those tribes needed to be when the lots were cast, and he was looking over that. So now by the leadership of the Spirit, leadership of the Spirit, there's a place we should be. And there's a family we should be part of. And there's a people group that should be us. And there's a tribe. We have our own tribes and our own clans. It says, this is us and this is me. And we're here because of Christ. Our relationships revolve around Christ. So the next thing I want to observe, and you'll see in you version, and you'll see on the screen, is that Christian community is God's arrangement. If you really believe that, if you really believe it's God's arrangement, and uh, you get tired of my preaching, it's not my fault, it's God's fault. You're stuck with me. If you really, really believe it's God's arrangement and someone in your Christian community gets on your nerves and God hasn't released you to leave, then it's, it's really not up to your determination. It's God's arrangement. There's a reason why God has you in this community. And there's a reason why God has you with these people. I, I believe that. And I believe that when we understand that concept, that will anchor us and center us and help us work through problems and will give us a sense of stability and give us a, a, a home and give us a, a place where we can flourish in the house of God. So 1 Corinthians 12 gives us some insight, starting in verse 14. It says, For the body does not consist of one member but of many. And if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the, be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? Where would be the sense of smell? Now look at verse 18. I read all that just to get to 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. This sovereign God that, that, that we serve, we got to believe he's, he's arranged this gathering today. He arranged the 9 a.m. gathering. He is going to arrange some gatherings in different homes and on this campus tonight. He's arranged a gathering this Wednesday night. He's put us together. He's put us together. This is his wisdom. This is his liking. Even as times a spirit-led people, when... We might be part of a Christian community in which we get a little bored. I, I want to be honest with you. Maybe sometimes you're just a little bored. And it feels like, man, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And if you went and visited some other church in the city, it'd probably feel kind of good to get doted on a little bit. Like, oh, you know, mo most churches now understand, yeah, we need to make the visitors feel welcome. And come on, and, and come on, let me give you a good seat. And let, let's make you feel comfortable. That'd, that'd probably feel pretty good. It's a little bit of an ego boost if the church does a good job at it. And, but if God's called you to this community or whatever community you're part of, there might be some times it gets a little bit boring. 
But if you realize that he's working on you, developing your character, and he's arranged you to be together, it's getting through those times of drudgery where the fruitfulness comes in the long run. It's being consistent. It's being faithful. It's, it's having this understanding that you're not the person choosing which a church as a consumer. You're a spirit-led Christian, led by the Spirit of God, and God is arranging the body, and he's putting the body together, and he's putting pieces because together we can advance the kingdom much better than we can alone. We cannot do this alone. You see, the truth is this, is that we're all on this individual walk with the Lord. We are. But in his wisdom and his sovereign will, on the path that we're on, there's stretches of the road between point A and point B. And he says, you're going to do life together. And you can't get from point A to point B without the people on the path with you. They're going to get you to the next place. That's what Christian community is. That's what life together is about. And God has arranged this. And God cares about that. And he wants us, he wants us to be led by his spirit and to be at the place we're supposed to be. The biggest thing we all have to overcome to have Christian community is disillusionment. Our expectations. Because we all bring expectations into Christian community. And we expect something to happen. We think, well, you know, at this new church or at this new men's Bible study or at this new 242 group or whatever it is for you. In my mind, I just imagine meeting these type of people or I imagine this type of scenario happening. And, and when it doesn't happen the way we imagine, we can feel a little disillusioned. But it's when we lay down those unhealthy expectations and we lay down the disillusionment then something beautiful replaces it. We begin to see a gift of community, not created by our own imagination, which is limited because we don't know what we really need, but that God has arranged the body and he's connected us with the body and he's put us together with the body. And it may not be what we thought it was going to look like and it may not feel like we thought it was going to feel, but he is working to make us more like Christ and the people we're connected with are helping us get there. That's what Christian community is about. So we we have to be so careful that, yes, there are some considerations. I understand that. I'm not saying you shouldn't consider factors such as compatibility and and things for children and styles. Understand that at some level, at some level, we have to make those considerations, but that can't be the basis of our community. The basis has to be Christ. The basis has to be this understanding that God is arranging things and he's putting things together. I was in Beth's hometown one time and I met some friends of hers that it was the first time I ever met them and I don't think I've met them since. And they were an impressive couple, well put together. And they're the type of couple in the world's eyes you would meet and, and you would, you would, they would make an impression on you at first. And they were living in Atlanta and... Uh, there's no shortage of good churches in Atlanta, pretty much Atlanta and Dallas. I mean, there's lots and lots of churches, big churches, good churches. And they were in their search for a church. 
they were talking about this one pretty famous church that I knew about. And they said, yeah, that's a church that is just for pretty people. And that remark really hit me. I mean, they, they certainly, that uh, was not coming from them feeling inferior or anything like that, but a church for pretty people. In other words, it felt like it had to be a church where everybody had it together, either physically or socially, whatever the case is. I think sometimes we're looking for that. We're looking for this mythical place where everyone has it together so it makes it feel like we have it together. And the truth is that we're part of a church where there's pretty people and there's ugly people. And there's rich people and there's poor people. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church universal. And there's accomplished people and there's people who, who are needing to get momentum in their life and they're struggling to get the momentum. And that's why the third observation about Christian community I wanna make is this, is Christian community is inclusive. It's inclusive. It's not about, it's not about us just getting, just, just being around people like us. Christian community is inclusive. It's not about us just finding 36-year-old people who have kids. Because I'm 36-year-old and I have three kids and I'm married to three kids. I, I want to find just people like that. that. That's only the type of people I want to be around. It has to be more than that. It has to be this understanding that God has, has all types of people that we have in common, his teaching and his ways, and, and we have in common our love for Jesus, and that is what binds us together. And, and so it is that we come, and we, we come each week, and we, we have the bread, and we drink the cup, and we sing songs, and it's different people. And we have to be really careful because as a church, when we start making determinations on who is valuable and who is not, man, we have missed the spirit of Jesus. We have missed it. So I want us to go to James chapter two. Here's the scripture. I've actually spoken extensively on this, but I'm just gonna let the scripture speak for itself today because it's so clear. When James wrote it to the early church, it's just as clear today. James chapter two with verse one says it this way. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place. Well, I say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down on my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? I want you to hear the spirit of that. Now, in our 242 brochure today, if you take one of those, we have some descriptions because we do understand affinity does matter. We want to help you find people that have common interests. I'm not totally disregarding that reality. So you'll, you'll look at the descriptions and we'll say, hey, there's couples. This group is mostly couples in their 20s and 30s. This group is singles and couples at all stages of life. Another group is primarily made up of of couples and singles age 50 and over. And that's meant to be a tool uh, to help you navigate as, as you connect with people. 
But what it's not meant to do is to create these exclusive groups that don't represent the, the spirit of Jesus. And I've resisted uh, creating groups that, that have really narrow definitions because those change. And so over the years, people have said, well, wouldn't it be great if we had a young couples group, a young couples with no children? Well, the problem with that is someone might get pregnant. And then how do you boot them out of the group? And do you do it in the second trimester or the third trimester? And, and so then the other problem, if we call them young couples, someday those young couples won't be young couples anymore. I remember a church where I went by and I looked into the young couples class. I didn't see any young couples in there. I found out that the young couples class had started 15 years earlier. And they'd all grown older together. So there's weakness in that. And then what happens, and this does happen, in the young couples group, are the couples group, when there's a divorce, because that happens. Does that disqualify them from being part of the group? So, so we have tools to help you, help you see where maybe you can fit. But our heart is, man, let, let's all see the gifts we have in one another. Let's see that we're stronger through diversity. We're, we all have something to share. We all have something to give. We, we all ha- have something that means, that's meaningful for each other. Diedrich Bonhoeffer lived in a time when, under the rule of Nazi Germany, and he ended up losing his life trying to stop that cause, and he was a pastor. And he saw what happened when society begins to marginalize people. And in the context of life together, he said this quote we can read together. He said, the exclusion of the weak and insignificant, the seemingly useless people from everyday Christian life and community may actually mean the exclusion of Christ. For in the poor sister or brother, Christ is knocking at the door. I want us to think we, we can be different. We can be different. We can love each other on the basis of Christian love, not simply on the basis of affinity. Affinity is an open door, but affinity is not the way we live our life. We, we appreciate all the gifts that we have here. We appreciate that God has something for all of us. So the last thing I want to point out today is this. I want to remind you that Christian community is a privilege. It really is. It's a privilege. I want to tell you something. It's a privilege you're here today. It's a privilege you're part of a church. You don't have to go to a 242 group. You get to go to a 242 group if that works with your schedule and all that. You don't, you, you don't when, when you go to a women's Bible study, it's an honor, it's a privilege to go there. The fact that your kids have a full-time youth pastor and they have a youth camp prepare for them, that's not, that is not a service we provide for you. That's a privilege of God's grace he's given you. In fact, there's adult leaders who are getting involved in your children's life while you're receiving the word. That's a privilege. That's an honor. Christian community is a privilege. It's not an entitlement. It's a gift of God's grace. That's why Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says it this way. It says, Let's not get tired of doing what is good. Let's not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, 
will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. This is interesting. And especially to those who are the household of faith. We obviously have a very outward-centered focus in the sense that we know his love and share his love. So we want to keep reaching out and pulling people in. But this scripture reminds us, do good to everyone, but especially to those who are the household of faith. So yes, we exist to reach people outside of God's kingdom, yes. But we also exist for each other. We, we do, to love one another, to accept one another, to grow together, to get to know each other. And it's a privilege. It truly is an honor that God gave us. And so I, I want to encourage you that as, as you look over the next decade of your life, you know, a lot of times we're like, as you look to some tonight, or you look to this week, but if you look over the next decade, when you make sure Christian community is a huge part of what your priorities are, that this incomplete idea that it's my personal relationship with Christ, that's an incomplete concept. Yeah, you have to make a personal decision to follow Christ, but once you do, you're part of a family. You're part of a group. You're part of a clan. And I believe the lots have been cast, just like it was for the Jewish people. The lots have been cast, and we, we have been stuck together. God said, I want all these people. You're going to live in this part of the land. You're part of a bigger picture, but you're going to live in this part of the land, and you're going to do life together. And you're going you're gonna to do life together, and you're going to live Christian community. And, and I believe the Lord has done that for us too. And so the Lord doesn't want you to complain about what's not here. He wants you to appreciate what is here. The Lord doesn't want you to complain and think, Oh man, I wish, I wish we had this type of class and I wish we had this type of environment. You know, those things might be things we need to work on. But if you're always complaining about what we don't have, you might not see the grace of what's before us. So I'll leave you with one last thing that Bonhoeffer said that's really good. It says, we enter into that life together with other Christians, not as those who make demands, but as those who thankfully receive. And I just want to tell you that everything we do is God's grace. The song Dan's playing right now is a gift of God's grace to you. This service today was a gift of God's grace to you. Our 242 groups tonight are a gift of God's grace to you. Our Wednesday night service is a gift of God's grace to you. Our Bible studies, our, our coffee pot out there, when you gather by the coffee pot and you learn somebody's name, that's a gift of God's grace to you. This is his grace. He's pouring out his grace upon us. We are people who we are not complainers. We're not, we're living life together, not making demands of God of what we don't have, but in appreciation, thanking him for the community he's given us now. And when we do that, there is explosive potential. Because we enter his gates for Thanksgiving. We go into the new place for Thanksgiving. If you want to go to a place of blessing, if you want to go to a place of advancement, if you want to go to a place that's further than you can imagine, you enter this, his gates, the presence of God, with Thanksgiving. Replace complaining with Thanksgiving. Resist complaining with Thanksgiving. And thank God for this community that we have today. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.